Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about some really cool Linux hardware that's hitting the ground running. Let's get into episode 51. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Bitwarden and Linode. I am extremely thankful to be here with my two fantastic co-hosts live if you're getting to watch this on Saturday, February 18th. If not, it was a very fun experience and this marks our one year anniversary as Linux Out Loud. Okay, it's a couple days late, but still, we're right in that time zone range of it being our one year anniversary of Linux Out Loud. You know, I don't always celebrate my birthday on my birthday, so I think that's okay. It works. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, you just prefer to think you're still back in the 80s. So, you know, the 80s were a magical time. They were a magical time. That's when I was born. The 90s are just beginning for you. Oh, the, no, the 90s have been going. I got my Commodore Amigas. Don't push me down this train already. <laughs> I'll push you in front of it. <laughs> now you've got something else going on, Nate, that is something for maybe more modern systems and found a better way to benchmark your CPU on Linux. Yeah. So quite a while ago, I was looking for some benchmarking tools and I started to play with them, but like they were very confusing to me. And I'm like, you know, it's really not worth it. I just want something simple that gives me some basic metrics and I don't have to really faff around with get the numbers I want, which is basically... How good is my CPU and how's my RAM? So I was doing some searching again because I'm getting ready to do an upgrade on some things. And I thought I would see if I could find anything. I did some searches like top 10 benchmarking tools and I didn't like any of them. But then I found one, which I don't know why I didn't find it sooner, from Hasmark. They do the cpubenchmark.com or .net, whatever it's called. They have a benchmarking tool that just is very easy. You just It's a tar.gz, you unzip it. It's already a binary, so you can run it on your system. It does require root privileges, so if you are leery about that, then don't use it. And they have it for you know Windows, Linux, Mac, mobile, and you can test on Linux anyway. You can test the 64-bit x86, the ARM 32-bit ARM 64, also legacy ARM 64. I don't know exactly. That's that's like for older kernels. But they didn't have anything for 32-bit. So for those of you running 32-bit, sorry. But it gave you very easily just run. You have three options. Run all tests, run the CPU test, or run the memory test. And then you can upload those results to Pazmark and they can put it and utilize it for their database of, of CPUs and such. So I just wrote a little article on how easy it was, how simple. And I did some side-by-side -side comparing my laptop with my desktop machine just for fun. And I also noticed like the more I ran it on the laptop, the worse the numbers got. And I think because of like thermal saturation, probably from the testing and whatnot, it was throttling down. But anyway, I thought it was pretty cool. And I just thought I'd do a quick little write-up on it. It's if you want to do some... Again, very basic benchmarking. Not that benchmarking is all that exciting, but very basic. You know, there you go. It's still going to be interesting to know. I don't think as many people right now are building new systems from the ground up, but it's nice to know how everything's functioning and is maybe the new hardware you got functioning properly or is the old hardware you have still doing all right. So yeah. I can definitely see its uses regardless. Well, because it was such a simple program, I thought I'd see if I could run on the Steam Deck. And because yes. the Steam Deck runs Arch, and Arch is kind of obtuse, I even like unlocked the core, the root file system, but Encursus wasn't installed. So I tried installing Encursus as, oh, it's already here. So I couldn't get the program to actually find Encursus. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to mess around with this thing for hours and end mm. to try and get Arch to behave. Probably the best way I could go about doing that is just like running it. I don't want to wipe out SteamOS, but I do want to maybe do like a live boot of something else. So probably something open SUSE since I know that. Not all ArchBase would be that bad to get it to run on. SteamOS is very specific to that piece of hardware at this point in time. Right. So to be fair. To be fair, right. But it would be nice to know like how that <laughs> CPU benchmarks compared to yeah, like that would be cool. my other stuff. So I'll figure that out eventually. To be fair, uh, I know the benchmarks for it have been specifically tied to SteamOS so that have been available. So it would be interesting to see kind of what it looks like with something else mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, for sure. But I think the benchmarks are probably not going to be, I mean, because these are just CPU benchmarks, just raw horsepower. So that doesn't really tell you how well it's going to game. That just tells you how fast your CPU is going to crank out the numbers. That's it. That's all it tells you. But on things like compilation and all that kind of stuff, it does matter. So like for those that are going to be compiling a lot of things and whatever, that raw horsepower number to know is very, very useful. Does make a difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Matt, it looks like you have some other Ryzen troubles. Or is it Ryzen excitement? I, I can't ever tell with you if it's excitement or troubles. 
Well, while you're having fun actually trying to benchmark, you know, Ryzen Steam Deck and stuff, <laughs> Nate, I have been having issues with that Ryzen laptop that I bought. So that particular machine has been so much fun. In one week, it went from being this great thing last week to now all of a sudden it's a problem. Is this how all your relationships go, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Only with you. No, the laptop is not Nate, unless you named the laptop Nate, which that's a little weird. No, but I am going to put like, <laughs> a, you know, open SUSE background on it to, and put Nate on oh, it. So okay. that therefore, you know, big heart emoji around it. So then you can say unhealthy obsession as the headers. Almost unhealthy obsession. Come on. That's my whole tagline. Yeah, I know. The almost part. And you're still doing it wrong. You don't need the almost. But no, the Ryzen machine, uh, the problem is it uses a Realtek wireless card, which unfortunately require out-of-kernel modules. So it has been a giant pain in the butt. I've tried Arch. I've tried Manjaro. I've tried Garuda. I've tried Ubuntu. I've tried Ubuntu Unity. I'm going back now that I know exactly what module it is to see if I can get Garuda to actually play nice with it. But the problem is the last time I installed it, you have to manually redo it every time there's a kernel update. And doing that on a rolling distro is a kind of a pain in the butt. (laughs) So for me, I was like, oh, I'll go use Ubuntu because they had a PPA. It's a stable kernel generically. And I did an update and hey, look, no more wireless after I got it working. And I was like, hmm. So small problem though, there is no ethernet on that machine. So it relies entirely (laughs) on wireless. So it's one of those like super thin laptops that ditch the ethernet port Uh so that it stays super thin. Yeah. So what I've been using has ironically been the USB-C dock dongle that came with the Pine phone that I bought. for ethernet so you have a laptop that you have to keep at your desk because you can't use the internet if it's not on your desk what's the point of having a laptop that can't travel uh (laughs) once i get it fixed (laughs) that's the thing because i'm not putting what because it came with windows 11 so uh no so so many levels of no right i've dealt with windows 10 i could deal with windows 10 but after all the nonsense i'm seeing in windows 11 and all the betas and all the other nonsense nope nope Mm. nope Nope. (laughs) Not happening. Uh, Windows 10 was the last privacy nightmare that I was going to limit myself to. When Windows went to the, here, we're going to require you to sign in and have to have an account and no offline. And I was like, nope. I will deal with the headaches from Linux that is currently giving me, but it's not Linux's fault. I bought hardware specifically that didn't work with Linux based solely on price without actually researching like chips and all that stuff. So that's on me. And the price is amazing. You really got that laptop for a complete steal. Yeah. And so for the $170 that I paid for or whatever, like if I got to put it in some, you know, finger work to make stuff work as far as um, the kernel and stuff, that's fine. Whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. I was going to say to you, Matt, that I think that whatever piece of hardware that you purchase, you're going to pay for it in some way with Linux. Either you're going to pay for it and trying to get it to work, or you're going to pay for it in price to the uh, manufacturer. That's how I look at it. If it doesn't cost you any or cost you very little, it's going to cost you in time and headache and you know probably bottles of ibuprofen for you. <laughs> I would have to say that those Microsoft Surface laptop tablet things are somewhat in the same way. If you want them to have full functionality, you do need to use that specialty kernel, except for in the case that I had with, what was it? Elementary. Elementary worked pretty well out of the box with the touchscreen working just fine without having to add that. But then there's special sauce that's going into elementary to make it, I guess, more user-friendly, more new user-friendly. So that could be one of the advantages of that distro on that laptop. But any other distro, you needed to add that specialty kernel if you wanted that touchscreen functionality. And I noticed that if you didn't add it, you would end up with the same issue that Matt has on this current laptop is you'd lose Wi-Fi availability. And it also has no Ethernet port. <laughs> so if you wanted to use it on the internet, you really needed to install that specialty kernel. Yeah, it's not all... As much as it's improved in the hardware department, if you just blindly buy stuff all the time, you're going to eventually get bitten. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, it happens. 
I have a propensity to go through hardware fairly quick. Not Ryan level quick, but fairly quick. I don't know. You're pretty gosh dang close to Ryan. Though he does do the unboxes and all of that stuff on the DOS Geek channel. So that's part of the reason why he can get away with going through hardware that's a tax so write-off. fast. But he also buys more expensive <laughs> stuff. <laughs> True. Very true. I buy very low end stuff. I'm going to be benchmarking $160 <laughs> retro console, you know, on Monday. So <laughs> great. That's been upgraded. So anyway, that's been a headache. Though, but again, user issue, not so much the hardware issue. And, you know, it happens. I'm not shocked by it, but I was hoping. <laughs> There's a suggestion in the chat from Jonathan Tucker. It says you could look at the tiny OS Windows 11 and visualize your Linux environment on top. That sounds like a, a bit of a Rube Goldberg way of handling it, but I think it might be fun for me to hear your troubles in trying it. If it involves Windows, I'm not going to lie, Nate, at this point, anything that remotely involves Windows, I've written Windows off. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I've been using Windows 10 and a VM to do some work for somebody using a Illustrator. I tried using Inkscape and Inkscape mm -hmm. won't load in EPS files without like working so can't do it but i'm amazed by like how much it just one sucks your bandwidth as far as like your uh it's just constant like pulling in all this like advertising and news and stuff and i didn't ask for any of it it seems like that would be an opt-in you know and just it's just really irritating all the things yeah. that it does and i'm sure there's a way to turn it off i just haven't taken the time to figure it out there is i've been talking to bit shady about windows and how you can turn some of all of that stuff not that i plan on doing it but i find it really really interesting and you can go in there and turn a lot of that stuff off but it's better if you have the corporate edition mm. because it has a lot more things turned off by default of course most average users don't have access to that corporate it has to have better privacy right. standards for corporate use but as the day-to-day -day user policy there is so much stuff turned on there's so much bandwidth that it's sucking and that's one place where if you're not using linux a pie hole would be beneficial to help block some of those things at the network level mm -hmm. but it's extremely interesting intrusive and not something I want to bring into my home. The difficulty there mm -hmm. for me is I don't have a great pipe to the internet, so I can't really afford all that extra cruft on the network. Right, exactly. Windows systems are just not going to work for me just based on their, I don't know, inappropriate network behavior. Them calling home for everything. <laughs> for everything and the ads that it pulls onto your desktop. So for the one that you have to use, or are you using it in a VM in order to do your work for that. Yep, just in a VM. I just, I'm basically running just one application. That's it. It does fine. It's not real complex work, so it's not real math intensive. It doesn't require, it's just Adobe Illustrator. It's not too heavy. I wish yeah. I could do it on Inkscape, but until I can figure out how to get EPS files to load in reliably, I can't do it. And Inkscape has some other issues when it comes to functionality, at least from what Michael has said. I know he's had a difficult time using it for some of his graphic design style work because of hmm. functions that it's potentially missing. But I'm not exactly sure what all you're doing and what all you need. I know Photop can open them up really well, but the downside of that is then if for any reason there's something going on with their servers, and I have had this issue, <laughs> it's been late, I'm trying to get the show wrapped up, all I need at this point are the images, and Photop won't let me in so I can edit the stupid PSD file to get the images up on the show. So that can be extremely frustrating, and that's definitely a downside of a web app is... Sometimes when you need it, it just decides not to work. Very true. So while I'm banging my head against a wall with this particular gateway <laughs> Ryzen laptop, Wendy, there has been some head-to-head -head results for robotics. Yes. Yeah, so last time we got to chat, we weren't exactly sure if Northern Idaho was going to be able to do their championship and they were we got to watch it here at home because it was streamed live on twitch and it was really cool to get to see how north idaho was doing some of their different robot runs and of course we don't get to see any of the speeches that's all private that's just between the teams and their three judges or whatever displays they have around obviously we weren't there in northern idaho to go around and look at their displays and see kind of what their innovation project was but it was done and that head-to-head -head originally we thought was going to be on saturday and while watching northern idaho's championship live we found out that that was on friday so that's why this live show right now is happening on saturday instead of friday they just switched places because we had to do some hurry up and rearranging in order to do both of them 
within this week like I had promised to do. I couldn't skip robotics and I didn't want to stop the live show from happening. So they ended up switching days. But that head-to-head, of course, was yesterday. We left the house about 9 a.m. And our normal co-op building, we weren't going to be holding the head-to-head. Internet speeds probably would have been fine. But I only have this webcam that I'm using right here. And we would have to be moving the webcam from place to place. And then really the only microphone I have is the one that I'm currently using. And it's meant for one person to talk into it, not really gathering sound from an entire room, a group of people. We have a college that's really, really close. And we were able to get a conference room from them. So it had one of those gigantic Logitech cameras in there. I mean, this thing was absolutely huge. And so we were able to zoom in and move it all around the room so the kids could have their game table set up in one area, pre-set up for the presentations, not have to physically move the camera, but be able to refocus into stuff, which was absolutely awesome. We spent about six hours together before the head-to-head. So that was set up. That was going through their presentations again. They actually did some more coding on the robot that turned out super awesome. Then it was time. The kids did their presentations. They did the best they could. The questions were a lot different than the ones that they'd had before. And where my co-mentor and I had never been through this process, it was kind of hard to prepare the kids for these questions that were coming in. They were definitely different. And the kids did great with, you know, what they had and kind of being thrown through a loop with stuff they weren't necessarily expecting. The call came back in just after six o'clock mountain time. And we are Idaho champions and we're headed to Houston. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so super excited. Fundraising already needed to happen because regardless, we were going to California or Houston. But what we wanted was Houston There's going to be, of course, our FLL challenge teams. There's going to be FTC teams, which is a mentor team just above us, and FRC teams. So we'll get to see so much more robotics there and where the kids can progress from FLL that I can't wait to go. That's going to be in April. So during that week, sometime in there, you you won't see me on the show because I'm going to be running all day. It's going to be an extremely, extremely busy week. And I know I'll definitely be out that week, maybe the week before, maybe the week after. So you might get Bill for three weeks, why I am preparing to travel, traveling, and then just trying to decompress after the trip. (laughs) Right. Totally understandable there. (laughs) I mean, I prefer Matt be gone, but I mean, you know, I guess I understand. It is what it is. (laughs) It would be kind of cool if I could do the show from there. Just being able to update everybody on everything what's going on. I know I would love to get a smaller vlog style camera so that I can document all the fun things we're doing. I wouldn't share that publicly here with everybody else, but it would be nice to be able to share with the parents as to what we're doing and just kind of keep those memories for my kids on the journey. There might be some snippets here and there I can share, but not necessarily of the kids doing things. I want to keep other people's children private. Wendy Magneto <laughs> volunteered to fill in. He volunteered. Yeah, he might break a computer in the process. Magneto can fill. That would be <laughs> quite an interesting show. I can just picture it right now. <laughs> That'd be great. You might not come back to a functional piece of technology. <laughs> Yeah, that could be interesting. I mean, I'm for it. Might have to put a camera on him to monitor him as he's trying to use your system. As things are going on. Speaking of that, he just got a new laptop, tablet thing from work and they handed it to him without a case or a glass screen protector. And I'm like, holy crap, they don't know my husband. Are they insane? It's not a good idea. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, they're they're paying for it, so. Right. Yeah. I guess they'll learn real quick. Something tells me Magneto would break one of those like Toshiba tough books that like EMTs and stuff use. If it can be done, he can do it. I believe it. Has he ever broken an anvil? No, he hasn't. But my oldest son has broken a rubber hammer, so it runs in the family. Okay. Well, it's, you got to start small, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Ultimate says anvils aren't technology. I would argue that anvils are some of the core technology that got us to where we are today through the Industrial Revolution. And still get used all the time. Actually, Magneto's looking for a larger one. Him and his buddy went in and got a forge for knife making. Oh, nice. But what they're missing at this point is a large enough anvil to do the work. And of course, to buy one new right now is crazy expensive. 
But that is one of the things that they're looking for in order to actually put that forge to work. And they use them all the time in like old cartoons to drop them on each other. So I can't imagine they're that yeah, expensive they to get do. hold of. It was I mean, one of Wiley Coyote's favorite things. Yeah, just check the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Should be plenty of them out there, right? In cartoon land. Visit Linode.com slash Tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support to ease of use and setup, it is clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, both big and small, since 2003. Don't worry if you're just getting started. That 24-hour, 7 days a week, 365 days a year support is offered to every level of user. They also offer industry-best price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPUs. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. Visit linode.com tux, create a free account, and you'll get a $100 credit. Say you're in a hurry, don't worry about it. You can build everything yourself or use the Linode one-click apps to deploy everything from Plesk, WordPress, to Valheim, and Minecraft servers. Make sure you visit Linode slash Tux to get started for free and snag that $100 credit while you're at it. We absolutely love open source and hardware that is running Linux from the get-go here. Nate, you found some really, really interesting ones. And this first one that came up has me probably most interest of, of the other ones. If you've ever seen a BlackBerry before, yeah, they're not around much. Matt used to use them on a pretty regular basis, but they had that little screen, the full keyboard, navigation on them. I would say as far as smart devices go, they had some better functionality than I say we can get out of some of the current devices where everything's touchscreen. Watching some people in my life use a touchscreen device is quite painful at times, and this is an option in order to have all of that functionality, and I love the idea of this one too with the flexibility of the OS that you could potentially put on it. What brought you across this device in the first place there's a moments when you're just sitting and you don't really want to do anything like, like those like reset moments i'm sure you you had those before and i mean matt he's always sitting and doing nothing i'm sure right so he knows exactly what i'm talking about i was going through the techrights.org and they always have interesting articles there not necessarily always organized in the way that i would prefer but nonetheless it, it, they break it down by different categories and sometimes they even link to my articles which i think is pretty cool so that's why i checked them out anyway so on this lilliputing page there's a by this author brad linder he wrote an article yesterday about it calls the auspicious machine in a modular handheld linux pc with a blackberry style keyboard even like the little track ball thing on there and so forth it's going to be sold for about 240 dollars, so it's not too heavy on the old pocketbook it'll have a 640 by 40 screen little three and a half inch screen so quite tiny and has it shows a picture of it running kali linux which i think is pretty cool it's not very powerful can't do a whole lot it has i think one gigabyte of ram it uh, looks like a big tree uh, a winner or i think it has some, some options here anyway there's a four gigabyte option as well. Oh, and an eight gigabyte. The idea is it's very small, very compact. It has, you know, the landscape ratio screen on it. And you can use it for a lot of things. You know, you can even use it to do retro gaming. Uh, Matt, because I know you're big into DOSBox and ScumVM. We're doing some old gaming. And I just thought it was a really cool machine. I don't know if it's actually really going to be something I'll be able to get a hold of, you know, for numerous reasons. But with a built-in keyboard right there, I think that you know this would be a fun machine. You know, nothing against like the full touchscreen devices out there. But like you said, watching some people, to include myself, use a touchscreen is kind of painful. And I mean, I always fat finger it. It's like I press the J. Why is the K going up on there? And I don't know what the problem <laughs> is. But anyway, I thought this would be a really neat device just to play around with. You know, it's got D-pad and, and four buttons so you can do... Mm -hmm. Again, like retro gaming on there. It doesn't have shoulder buttons, Matt, or trigger buttons, from what I can tell. Probably not suited for you, but definitely something I think would be fun. It reminds me of a device that I was looking at like, it was probably like five years ago. God, I can't remember what it was called now. But it was something very similar form factor, but the company just kind of fizzled out, I guess. Yeah, it may not be available everywhere. They're not entirely sure. But one of the things that I love about this device is you have options when it comes to the hardware under the hood. And that's kind of what you were bringing up before. You have the option of a banana board, a big tree tech board, 
I'm currently running a big tree tech board in my 3D printer. And I'd have to say that the overall build quality of that is really, really solid. I've been happy with it. And it's one of the things that you can get right now. Whereas you can use a Raspberry Pi CM4 inside of it and Raspberry Pis in general are harder to get. You might be able to get the CM4 easier than you can some of the other Pis. It's hard to say for sure and that's going to be your biggest option when it comes to RAM if you go with something by Raspberry. And then the last one is the Rad XA. Not exactly sure how to pronounce that one. CM3. It's got the rock chip 4 gigabytes. So even though the overall package can look the same on the outside, the hardware that you have inside has some flexibility and even better it has some upgradability or the ability to repair this device because all of these boards out there are for the most part pretty gosh thing easy to get your hands on i don't i just think it's a fun little device i don't know if i would get 240 dollars worth of entertainment out of it necessarily because i do have a steam deck mm. but it's one of those things that i think would just be fun to play with with a you know, raspberry pi Compute Module 4, I could run pretty much with the 8 gigabyte version. I could pretty much run anything I would really need to. That's what I think would be pretty cool. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of, I think the system we were talking about, Nate, has was Open Pandora, I think was the name of the system. It doesn't ring a bell, but it could be. This kind of reminds me of one of those kind of systems very much. A mix somewhere between like a Game Boy SP and as far as design and whatnot. And there was a system back in the late 90s that was a game GP32. It was a game park system is what it was called that kind of had a similar idea, which was kind of the very open nature of it and stuff. So it's definitely interesting to see what people can maybe do with this and that actual hardware. I found it. It was the pocket chip computer. Ah, yes. I think they fizzled out. Not sure why. But it was one that I kept looking at, the chip version 2. They're talking about it and never released it. And then it kind of, I think they might have Osborne themselves. For those that don't know, Osborne was a computer company, built a, one of the first portable computers. And they kept talking about their next version too early. So nobody bought their current version and they ended up putting themselves out of business. Oh, dang it. Oh, Detective Alex said Pocket Chip had a scandal. Mm. Ooh. Bum, bum, bum. Some drama yeah. on Linux out loud. Huh? There's always drama on Linux out loud. <laughs> Get you two together and there is, yeah. Alex is a drama with the or the scandal like the uh, Gizmondo CEO back in the early 2000s mafia money and all that stuff and guy crashing a half million dollar car and <laughs> going to jail and everything else yuck worst selling console ever they only sold about 4,000 now one of the other things you have on this list is this tiny little laptop and when looking at the pictures of it MNT Pocket Reform Modular Mini Laptop. It reminds me of those original ones from the mm -hmm. first days of laptops because it has got a super thick bottom case. I wouldn't say the top is all that thin itself, but you're packing a lot of hardware in this tiny itty bitty space. I don't know how useful it would be, how enjoyable it would be to type on any of that stuff. But it does have a backlit keyboard. And the layout of the keyboard is kind of weird as far as the mm -hmm. they're not staggered like you would expect. So it might be a bit hard to type on. The price of $900 is also <laughs> a little bit steep for a guy like me for just a toy. I mean, that's more expensive than a Steam Deck. So to put that yeah. in perspective. Well, you built that system for your daughter for way cheaper than that. And I wouldn't say that it is smaller than this by any means, but you still set up mm -hmm. in a way that it is somewhat portable for her to move it to different places around the house. Right. You couldn't stick it in your pocket, though. Right. Unless you were wearing overalls, maybe. And then you shoved it and it <laughs> might be uncomfortable. <laughs> this reminds me, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit on the shows prior. This reminds me of somebody trying to do a cyber deck. Mm, and yeah. charging way too much money for it. You can probably do this on a Raspberry Pi system. I mean, it's cool that it's uh, obviously pre-assembled system but man $900 yikes <laughs> well and it doesn't look as cool as a lot of the steam not steam deck the cyber decks that I've seen pictures of mm -hmm. my guess it has to do with some of the customized things that they're running here like that keyboard looks like a custom keyboard and that trackball right. arrangement looks pretty custom so I think that's probably where a lot of the expense is going I mean tooling is not cheap for anything so that's yeah. probably it no definitely I'm just saying like for most people 
they're going to look at it and go, yikes, mm-hmm. and they see price. Yeah. So this one has a quad-core ARM Cortex-A53 processor inside of it, and it's still within the crowdfunding phase of it, but wanting $900 for it, even with crowdfunding, it is definitely a little bit steep for me, but I'm sure there's somebody out there that this is right up their alley. It's something they'd like to play with, mm-hmm. have a little laptop to travel with. I prefer to someday be able to build a cyber deck because I do like the idea of one. I have no idea what I'm going to do with it, but I think it would be a fun little piece of hardware to have around is that part of the reason I'm on Hardware Addicts. You used it exclusively for interfacing with your robots because it would just go along mm-hmm. perfectly well. Mm-hmm. That's why you have a cyber deck. There you go. That would be perfect. I was going to make that suggestion. <laughs> that would actually be really, really cool to have the kids at tournament and they're working on code and they're using a cyber deck to edit their code mm-hmm. with and they're standing at the robotics table bingo we'd be the coolest kids i think school. about the one like that matt sent i think it was made out of a <laughs> pi 400 and had like these like big chunky yeah. handles and antennas you know unnecessary <laughs> antennas which is exactly what you want you want to have as many unnecessary pointy things coming out of it just to give it that look of we mean business <laughs> yeah, exactly that weird cyberpunk look I throw it out here you could probably do it really well with like a steam deck at the low end steam deck and then put that thing inside of a cyber deck type kind of a case mm-hmm. or just add a case i see where you're going not, with not because this. i want to get you on the steam deck train but because it already all that functionality built into it already you could just flat pack all the things and then use it like a handheld computer pull the guts out of the case put it in a different case and... just wrap it in, a, in something else this is wendy slowly falls asleep as we kind of get sidetracked a little <laughs> bit wendy the nice thing though about the steam deck stuff if you decide to go that route is that you can literally 3D print a different case and enclosure because all the specs for the case and stuff are available for the Steam Deck. So you can make mod and do mm-hmm. what you will with the Steam Deck right. casing. You could import that into FreeCAD. Just saying. I'm not buying one yet, but I'll <laughs> think about it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> the Steam Deck would make the ultimate steampunk computer, I think. Very well could do. We'll see. We'll talk about it more. I know we'll talk about it some more because... We always it's do. one of the things we'll never yeah, stop talking much. about on here. It's, it's yeah. kind of like never stopping about 3D printing. Yeah, it's the same, yeah. same thing. Yeah, and you're going to get more of that today. I'm sorry, Matt. So you'll be snoozing here later. It's uh, whatever. <laughs> you do it. <laughs> Matt snoozes a lot anyway. He's, it's good for him. He needs it. He spends way too much time at work. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of these devices here. I think it's interesting because it's the Raspberry Pi form factor, but it has some other niceties to it. The URVE Board Pi single board PC. It features the Rock 3566 and an M2 SATA connector and however Ethernet support. And just the headline alone is pretty exciting. Now it says the it's available now for $90 and it does only have two gigabytes of, of RAM and it does have eight gigabytes of eMMC flash storage as well, which that by itself would be enough to like run a, for sure a Pi hole with, you know, the all different functions like that quite nicely. And because you do have the SATA option, that would mean that you're going to go through less SD cards. Like I, I don't know how your SD cards are holding up over time. Most of mine seem to be oh, okay, but half of mine seem to be okay, but they seem to like kind of conk out on me after a while, especially the ones put in the switch. I'd replaced some switch SD cards a few times. I've kind of lost a little confidence, even if they have their brand named. I've lost some confidence in the SD cards. This to me is interesting because it would have everything I need right on it that I wouldn't have to worry about those upgrades. So that's something I find pretty exciting. You know, some people get excited about the rock chip. That doesn't excite me as much as just having the ability for, for the M SATA, M.2 SATA. So it's, it's for the smaller ones. I'm not sure how, not sure what the number is on that right offhand here. But Matt would probably know. He can eyeball sizes. It does have way more USB-C ports than I've seen probably on any other single board computer device, which is really, really nice to see as a lot of other things are moving that direction. I have to say the USB-C style device is much nicer. They seem to be a whole lot sturdier. You're not having to worry about which direction they go. And it's really cool to see that becoming more and more popular on some of these handheld devices. You still have your 40-pin GPO header. You even have PWM support. So being able to control those fans with variable speeds on it is absolutely awesome instead of being all on or all off. Yeah, it has a lot of nice features that I think like the Pi 4 kind of lost from the Pi 3. Yes. Plus the M.2 SATA. Like this right here greatly interests me. And this would probably be... One I do need to replace, or if I want to upgrade whatever, my pie hole, 
this is probably going to be what I'd go with. And I'd put that M.2 in there. Well, more and more people are using these devices as Mm -hmm. bases for servers, whether it's a little server, like I'm using mine right now for my syncing server, which is awesome. Use it not only for code for the team, but just personal stuff that's bouncing back and forth. It's one of those suggestions that I'm still so thankful that Nate gave. It solved a lot of different problems for me. I haven't had any problems running it. And a single board like this is the perfect way to do it. And being able to put extra storage on it that isn't an SD card. that is truly a dedicated storage device meant to be used a little bit harder, I guess you would say, whereas SD cards, I feel, are really meant for the pull little data here and there or put data on, but not that constant reading and writing stage. Yeah. And also the fact that the other manufacturers are using that same form factor as Raspberry Pi, that I think is a very positive thing as well Mm -hmm. for numerous reasons. One for the accessories or just like a rack mount. I printed off a rack mount unit for my my server rack thing to have the Raspberry Pi in there. To put this in there would be a trivial process. That's another thing too. Yeah, the fact that you can basically buy into a pre-existing mm-hmm. ecosystem essentially of like accessories and all that kind of stuff definitely yeah. does help when there's that more uniform size approach to the design and stuff. So it's definitely nice to see that. So this is definitely something that you could, like you mentioned, Nate, replace with a, from a Raspberry Pi or whatever. So that would definitely make it a lot easier, a lot more appealing for a lot of people, I think. For sure. Well, I don't see the second USB-C connector on the picture. It says two USB-C. Let's see it. It says, yeah, so there should be one for charging and then two other ones and only one type A, but this image is definitely yeah. not showing that. Well, who knows? But it says that the USB-C power in is also for debugging. That's pretty cool. I don't think that's a feature nice. on the pie. But Ben Fitzpatrick says I'm putting him to sleep. Well, good. Then when you need to fall asleep, make sure you just put <laughs> me on and then you can uh, nicely fall back into a deep, glorious sleep with hopefully some Geeko chameleons floating around in the background. In fairness, he also said before that the 3D printing and the Steam Deck put him to sleep too. Oh, those things put Alex to sleep as well? Steam Deck and 3D printing? No, I think Alex is a big Steam Deck fan, but I know that Ben says 3D printing and the Steam Deck Put me to sleep too. I think he was saying that. <laughs> sure who was saying that too? But then he says, "And Nate is putting me to sleep." Alex says that Steam Deck. Wait, I'm awake. So he loves the Steam Deck. I know he he says he's using it all the time. So that, that's that's a good thing. Getting a lot he of is. use out of his purchase, which is awesome. If you're gonna buy a piece of hardware, mm-hmm. it's nice to actually be able to use it all the time and justify that purchase instead of it just sitting tucked in a corner and not absolutely. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Make the smart move like many from the community, and have a go at bidwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since the premium edition starts at only $10 a year. And for that $10 premium account, you'll get things like one gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F and Duo, Vault Health Reports, and so much more. Also, you'll get priority customer support. Huh? Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. Something that's usually not practical is Matt's game of the week, but we always enjoy finding out what he's got for us. (laughs) Wow. Going from positive (laughs) right back to negative. Holy smokes. Yikes. Well, so that was just rude. But I will be nice. You're and welcome. <laughs> I will be nice and be nice to your wallets. And I'm actually oh. going to highlight an open source game. Yay. Which I generically don't do because usually the barring a few of the qualities, usually questionable at best. This particular one was actually a commercial game that came out in 2016. However, it was a what they call a CCG game or a card collecting game. Um, so think like Magic of the Gathering or any of those type of games. The game was called Duelist. They recently open sourced the game in and of itself. So think what Valve did with Artifact, which is kind of like, here's the game, free to play, do whatever you want. But they're doing 
server side stuff, all that stuff is totally available, all open source, all the artworks open source, everything they're letting the community expand on the game. They have gone so far with the licensing that it is literally as mm. close to public domain as it can get with a Creative Commons license. Wow. If you wanted a artifact type game or if you wanted a open source a Magic the Gathering or a Yu-Gi-Oh type game, this is the game to do it. And they have Linux binaries already. I love to see more game companies do this. Yes, they're making a second game for it, but there's also this continuation of letting this project, letting this code not die and all the other yeah, stuff. Yeah, for sure. It's fantastic to see. They're looking for ways to, like, because it did rely on some server-side stuff. So they're still looking at certain implementations and whatnot. But a lot of the monetary stuff has been totally ripped out of the game. It's all gone. You have access to everything. Wow. They have done a lot of work and they are very clear about what they are doing. They have a roadmap for what they're doing. Code's all up on GitHub. I wouldn't say that the original game is all that old either. Yeah. It came out in 2016. Am I reading that right? Mm -hmm. so I've never heard of or played this game. It has kind of a very matte-like aesthetic to it, I would say. <laughs> the outfits are of his liking. Oh, of course you would throw that out. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're going there yeah i know but anyway the fact that it's all open source though the game is called open duelist it's on github i believe i'm not 100 percent sure it's still on steam it might be it might have been delisted it doesn't look like you can actually get it from the store yeah duelist okay. is no longer available on steam store so they do have some information there you can watch some of the videos of how the mm -hmm. gameplay works if you'd like to from steam but you're not going to be buying it from there. Which, if it's open source and they already have Linux binaries, might as well install it yeah. straight on anyway, right? <laughs> it's rated Matt out of 10. <laughs> yes, Wolfnick. <laughs> it is rated teen for teen for some violence, mm -hmm. blood, yep. suggestive themes. So it is more kid-friendly than some of Matt's suggestions, but not 100%. There Not 100%. I generically don't highlight open source games just for a variety of different reasons. And seeing a company actually go this route is very rare. So I wanted yeah. to kind of highlight because there's maybe half dozen games that I can think of off the top of my head that went this route and very rarely do. I'm still very much playable. I'm still trying to make sure that the servers work. That's one of the worst things about getting into any of these games that rely on servers when they shut down, the game's dead. And if this was something that you enjoyed playing, it would be fantastic to see that those servers, they're finding a way to try and keep all of that alive. So the game moves on and you'll probably end up with some really great features because of the open sourcing of the game. Things that the company couldn't necessarily do themselves didn't have time to do mm -hmm. uh, monetarily wise. It just wasn't worth it. And those features may end up in the game now they really are looking at it from every platform too it's not just like a windows uh windows linux mac os they're looking at uh, i know they have an android version they have a i'm not sure that i think there was an ios version if i remember correctly oh wow they are looking to do a lot of mm -hmm. stuff with this there's a few other games like uh warzone 2100 mega glass and i free space or open free space or free space open or whatever they ended up calling it are like the only games I can think of off the top of my head that went this route besides like the games from like id software, obviously, or Quake. Yeah. So um, definitely worth highlighting. Descent, the original Descent 1 and 2, those went open source as well. The content, though, is not. That's still protected by copyright, but you can create whatever you want on top of it. Yeah, no, this is cool. Turn-based or real-time strategy? I don't recall now. Think like Magic the Gathering, so turn-based. Warcraft 2. Tides of Darkness. I don't know if you remember that game. That's <laughs> Not that probably kind my of turn base. Like of that genre, that's probably my favorite. Mostly because of the little funny things that the uh, the characters would say, like the peasants. Okay, as you wish. Only I often thought, like, uh, you know, speaking of you. that game, <laughs> the cruise control on your car. I kind of wish it would respond like the ships in Warcraft: Two Tides of Darkness. Like, yes, as you wish. You know, stuff like that. That'd be way cooler than just like the little notification on the screen. If only I knew how to hack a minivan. But <laughs> while I'm mentioning things that are, are getting constant improvement now because they've been open source and updated, Nate, you got some 3D printing updates, it sounds like. Yep. Break out your pillow. Uh, so I did change the thermistor on my printer. Already there. And uh, it's working. 
I'm still getting but some hit and miss results though, and I'm not sure exactly why. So I don't know if there's something not right somewhere, but like it was printing ABS no problem. It print ABS the first time with problems, and I did it again, and it seems to have kind of worked out. I don't know what's going on, but I did print uh, an ABS thing, no problem whatsoever. So it appears to be working, but it's kind of frustrating me. I don't know if maybe the plastic if the specs on the particular PLA that I got are incorrect and the melting temperature is actually a lot lower than than what it, than what it says in the box, that's my next thing to try. I didn't have problems with the other PLA, it's just this new PLA I bought. So that could also be a problem as well too. In which case, maybe I put some extra work into my 3D printer that was unnecessary. I don't know. Maybe somebody will know, but that's where I'm at with that. After you got your thermistor installed, did you go through and redo the PID settings? I know that you have Octoprint installed, so you have access to a terminal for your printer. Did you go ahead and run those? No. <laughs> hey, I tried that first before doing anything so, else. PID settings? <laughs> yes. And I'm not exactly sure what that is for Marlin now. I know I did it before when I still had the original board in my Ender 5 Plus, and it's pretty easy to find. But yes, you want to, now that you've reinstalled the thermistor, you want to run a command and it'll raise and lower that temperature of your nozzle in however many series that you have it do. And so it can refigure exactly how much power it needs to be giving your okay. hot end in order to keep that at the proper temperature. If you weren't seeing your temperatures bounce really bad, it's probably not too far off, but you should redo those every single time that you replace the thermistor. Well, that's good to know. I'll, uh, I'll give that a try. Hope it helps. <laughs> also, as your hot end ages, apparently, that helps with compensation for that. Yeah. An Octoprint, there's a terminal tab. Yeah, Sean, PID auto-tune. That's what you want to do. Ooh. Sean in chat said it better than I did. What kind of auto-tune is it? So, like I said, a command that you'll put in your terminal for Octopi. I mean, is it like a Justin Bieber kind of auto-tune or is it something else? No, not that kind <laughs> of auto-tune. Nobody wants a Justin Bieber auto-tune. I might have it saved somewhere. So after it's over, right. if I've got a tab saved in exactly what I used. I also found a thing just now, so I'll, I'll give that a try. Oh, cool. The idea of an auto-tune sounds way cooler. So Wendy, it sounds like you're having some fun 3D printer adventures as well. As we were talking last week, I was having some issues with mine as well, where I'm having under extrusion problems. My filament is swelling to a point where it's not actually feeding all the way through. Prints are stopping. And I thought power was definitely an issue. So that back bedroom where it was, it is on a breaker that just seems to trip really easy. It's just not big enough for everything that's on it. Pulled it into the living room this last weekend and I got two small prints done just fine. They were very small, very fast within 35 minutes time to print. They ran great. So I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do a larger print Try and make some more of those boxes so I can get that Lego robotics toolbox thing all figured out and done. And it printed most of the way through. And of course, in the middle of the night, when a print's going to fail, that's when this mm -hmm. thing failed. And there was a lot of stringing and stuff going on. And I need to completely take my whole hot end apart because the filament's not feeding all the way proper through one of the issues that happened. And I didn't realize until I tried to go do another print, but there was a piece of that stringy filament that got flipped up into the fan and stopped the mm. fan baits from running. So that whole cooling mechanism wasn't working too well. So I might actually have some burnt end of that tubing, that Bowden tubing going into the system. And then my husband works with a very, very smart guy. He's the trainer. He has all of their computer stuff going on and has multiple printers. And his suggestion that maybe overall my issue is the fan itself that is on the hot end and whether it is just replacing the fan, maybe coming up with a better cooling system for it is where I need to go. And I would say that the fan probably does need replaced after I'd taken it off the first time. I don't know, it had messed with it. It had had some wobbling before, even though it's running at 100% all the time, it may just not be doing an efficient job at this point and just needs to go. So changing rooms apparently helped some 
because I was able to do some small prints, but I wasn't able to do a full 14-hour print without things crashing. And now I definitely have to take everything apart and make sure that hot end is still good after the fan completely stopping with a piece of filament in it. Yeah, I've had that happen too. You hear that, like the buzzing sound of the plastic being hit by the fan. It's kind of a disconcerting sound. And I've, yeah. I've had that I had to take the tweezers and try and pull the bits of while the fan's running out of the fan. Ugh. Not good for the fan. Not so good. Yeah, I would absolutely love to print some of those better fan shrouds for it. But if I can't get a larger print to finish, I can't really make my own at that point. And I think that's some of the most frustrating things when you know that a better cooling mechanism in general could help. And there's all of these different Thingiverse files in order to print them. You're like, yeah, but that doesn't do me any good because uh, my printer's <laughs> not working. So I can't print upgrades until I have a working printer. So I got to fix this under excursion issue before I can print the thing yeah. to help it. I think I might take a part my entire extruder end just to see if, if maybe that little connecting tube is a problem too i don't know it doesn't seem to move i took my all apart recently as i was trying to figure out some of these issues before that really wasn't that bad i know i was seeing something about a bi-metal hot end piece so the section that goes into your heating block and then up to the cooling section having it be something that wasn't a hundred percent a very strong heat transferring metal i'd have to look it up again and i'll share that later because obviously words aren't coming to me properly right now but it making some of the difference in it cooling off faster be in that middle zone and over that direct cooling place of your hot end so it keeps your filament more solid until it gets to the place where it is supposed mm. to be melting I could be dealing with issues that I'm just still having way too much heat travel, still, you know, heat creep, which is causing my under extrusion. I've played with pretty much every other setting that I can. I'm now down to fans. Yeah, I might have to look at the fan issue on mine too, but I don't, I don't know why it would be an issue. I think Matt's probably the issue with my 3D printer because Matt doesn't have a, any love or respect for 3D printer, I think my 3d printer is probably having a problem with that i think that's really what the problem is yes i would agree matt is the the base cause of both of it our is. 3d printing problems he should be more active in this conversation mm -hmm. and they'll work i think so hey you know stop blaming magneto no, he's Wendy. called magneto <laughs> okay so the funny thing is my husband's name is also matt so it works I'm not blaming Magneto. I'm blaming Matt DLN, the dark. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. I don't either. <laughs> I try to ignore it all the time. I try ignoring you, but now well, here we are. <laughs> As we've done Linux Out Loud together for a full year, we've done a variation of the show together for what, two years? Three? A while now. It's been a while. It's been at least 130. Since 2020. <laughs> middle of 2020. So we've spent plenty of time together. Virtually, but yes. We've never actually met either of you two in person. It's great. That would be quite an adventure if we ever did. Linux out loud live in person. That'd be fun. It could be crazy. It could be very, very crazy. And we'd have to be even more careful about no bad mats, bad Nates, I'm... bad Wendy's. No, no, no. There's no bad Wendy. There's sinister <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topic. Hit the discourse form, drop us a line under this video, or contact form by visiting textdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and more at textdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital Merch Store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I paused my game to be here short or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. Mm -hmm.